Welcome to Creative Twist. I'm Sally Vanderpump and I'm going to be talking to people who have rediscovered their creativity after a break or taken a twist in their career path and tried something new. I know creativity has made my life better. Let's find out more about how it has changed my guests' lives. Sasha from Frankenfield classes herself a writer, doubter and doer. Even though she's been writing since the age of eight, she only started calling herself a writer last year, a rebellious act against her self-doubting nature. She's an avid journaler and lover of words who wants to use them to challenge the negative narratives that women can have about themselves. She does this through what she calls reminders, little notes of thought dotted around the internet to remind women of what has always been there, our internal North Star. It's light somewhat shrouded by responsibility, shoulds, ingrained narratives and self-doubt. We talk about unlearning self-doubt, living with less force and more ease, and how sharing the messy in-between of a creative process can inspire others. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, Sasha, I, I kind of came across you on Instagram and uh, I can't remember who it was through. I think maybe via Susie Dark or, okay, or yeah, Tamu yeah. possibly. I love both um, <laughs> Yeah, but I just feel like your your Instagram feed is like a sort of oasis in Instagram because it's got such lovely words and images and it's like a, a sort of invitation to slow down and take some considered time with your wise words. That is delightful. Can you tell me a bit about how you started your Instagram feed? Sure. Um, yeah, that's delightful to hear because I think that's, that is my intention. I do want people to kind of slow down because even in kind of the times we find ourselves in now, um, we can just constantly be like on the go, on the go, scroll, 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 never like really kind of allowing ourselves a few seconds with something or more than a few seconds with something it's gone in an instant and so I do like providing like little moments of thought it's something that makes that stops the scroll or like uh yeah little moments of calm in the day so um I'm glad that that comes across I started my Instagram mm, I think it was January the 1st, actually, 2020. And it's very interesting because I wonder if if I knew what would have come three months later, if I would have started it. But I think mm. that's all an interesting part of the journey. Um, and I started my Instagram feed, Frank and Feel, because I wanted a creative outlet. I've always been into writing words, reading, songwriting, singing, um, like when I, as I was growing up as a kid, Art Attack and It's a Bits were my favourite like TV programmes um, and I would watch changing rooms with my mum and make things out of paper mache and origami. I've just always been doing something with my hands or something to do with senses and Towards the tail end of 2019, I saw a whole load of people starting up lots of independent brands. And I don't know if there was this massive surge or if I was just paying more attention to it. 
Um, but it felt like there were loads of people setting up their own independent businesses, particularly um, in candle making. And I had, I'm typically an underbuyer, and it took me ages to consider buying a really expensive, expensive for me, um, candle. And I bought it. And I didn't know if it was just like an, an off one out of the batch, but I was just like, oh, I'm not impressed with this. I, I wonder if I could do it better myself. So I went into research mode and I went to a candle workshop and a bath salts making workshop just because I like spending time learning new things anyway. Um, and I was like, I could do this, you know, I think I could. Um, so I just decided I wanted a creative outlet outside of work and I wanted to fit words in there somewhere. I didn't know if that would be around the labels, something in the packaging, cards that would come with it something that would be would go alongside the brand at some point I didn't know but as part of that I was like I'm just going to start this Instagram and I'd say about six to eight weeks after starting as much as I loved making candles for myself I was like I don't think I want to do the candle thing it's always been about the words and I was trying to wedge them in but actually they were not meant to be on the periphery, like they were the thing. <laughs> mm. I find that so interesting because I've um, I heard an interview with someone and they were talking about the shadow artist and how you can mm. often be on the edges of the thing that you want to do because you don't quite dare go there yet. Um, so maybe it's an element of that that you you're sort of close to that thing. And it takes a, a, a nudge to sort of get you, give you the courage to go for it. Do you know, I had this exact thought the other day. I was thinking back over like my work CV and I always used to tell myself, oh, I don't have to be doing the creative thing as long as I'm surrounded by creativity or in, an, in a creative environment. So in my work uh, since leaving university, I've worked in fashion merchandising. Um, and so that was the, and distribution, that was like all the spreadsheet stuff. But within a fashion world, um, I moved on to work in uh, kind of like admin, PA, um, team assistant stuff, office management. And I did that within creative agencies, beauty companies and like you say about the shadow artists I always found myself on the periphery and it was great being within those industries um, because there were strengths you know I do have strengths within like organization stuff and I like being that sort of link and hub for everything that's going on um, but I definitely think there was an element of that shadow artist at play like never really giving myself the chance to kind of be the center. So was there a was there something that particularly propelled you into that when you like when you looked at the candles and thought I don't it's the words rather than the candles how did you make that step? I don't know if there was something that propelled me. I think it was just a feeling that it was a feeling and I think it was also the people who followed my account early on, it was their reactions to my the words. And I was like, oh, I think there's a connection here. Um, and I just kind of followed what felt right. 
my whole thing with Frank and Phil, regardless of not knowing what it was going to be, I just wanted to have this creative outlet. My my thing has always been about making the behind the scenes, the actual scenes, making them seen, showing the in between, because that's where the interesting stuff happens. I'm not the biggest fan of um, what I feel like there's a gloss over a lot of social media and the internet in general where you just see the before and after you don't necessarily see the messy in between so my whole thing with Frank and Phil was about I know I want to do something creative I'm bringing you on the journey with me to see what this can be I'm open to opportunity I'm not quite sure what it's going to be um, but I know it's anchored around this and it's also going to be anchored around me dealing with self-doubt while I try to get to whatever that place is. I love that because the workshop that um, I came to with you was all around the self-doubt. Um, and I actually, I, I did put on my Instagram and I've got it here. I put your little, um, the phrase, though I doubt I do. And that's on my on my desk now as a motto. Because I think it's so powerful to remind ourselves that actually everyone has doubt and you can you can carry on and it's not necessarily a bad thing to acknowledge that the doubt is there. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's kind of befriending it or at least learning how to work with it instead of battling against it. I think we're always going to experience new things in life and there's always going to be new things that we try to do and try to achieve. And so we're going to come up against that resistance. And I think it's just about kind of understanding where the doubt comes from because I think with all of these things, it's about threats and safety and our our body and our psyche wanting to keep us safe even if safe means small. Um, and it's just about understanding that, but 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 owning the fact that, okay, self-doubt, you can be in the car, but you're not at the, the wheel. Like, you don't drive this, I drive this. <laughs> That's a really good way to look at it, I think. There's a, there's a sense that there's the doubt, but then there's also doing it anyway before the, before too much overthinking or judgment or you know your your creative your sort of inner critic pops up and says hello uh, and just gently but firmly forging ahead yeah I think I think what I'm learning is that there is a real mind and body connection and that they need to work in partnership to get things done but very often we lead with our minds and I'm actually realizing that the mind is a fickle leader. Like it's, it's a great part of the partnership, but I don't often think it should be allowed to lead. I tend to go more with my body and my gut feeling and where I feel peace in certain situations. Um, because even if something's hard, um, because going with your gut and going with that kind of feeling doesn't necessarily guarantee ease. I know it's the right thing and I can move forward if I know it's, it feels like the right thing. Yeah, I'd say, 
yeah, it is that's how I kind of move forward anyway. I think the other thing is that I know I know more of myself now. And again, I use that and I work with it rather than against it. So I know that I'm a person who thrives without her accountability. So even with the workshops, um, the journaling workshops, I put it out there before at a moment or at a point in my cycle, or I don't know what was happening that day, just when I was like, right, I'm going to do this. And then I was just like, right, I've said it now. And people are expecting it and they're going to be asking me. So I have to do it. And it's using things like that to work with myself to get to the place where I want to be anyway. I saw I saw some posts about that, that you you put it out as, a, as an offering. And then there's a little bit of, oh, should I, am I ready? Am I, and, and you're quite open about discussing that as well. And I think that's very engaging because like you say we can see the beginning and the end and not all the difficult challenges in between but I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit about that as well about um yeah about sharing creativity do you because I listened to you talking with Mockingbird Makes about and you mentioned you know that you don't you don't have to write for anybody else it can just be for you but do you think there's also a power in the shared creativity yeah there's there's massive power in shared creativity I think one of the reasons that I share is because whether privately online publicly just within your friends um your friendship group we all should be sharing our stories because there is power in that um and I know that one of the reasons that I share is so that other people can feel seen and understood and feel like it's not just them who like deal with these things while they're trying to get to a certain place or a certain goal. Um, but also that there's something past that sort of relatable point that you can get there and it's not only for other people it can be for you as well so I hope that that is something that really connects um in my writing and you know sometimes I think I just I just share because it's just the thing I feel like I have to do it's the way that I feel like my creativity just has to exist in this world and I think there's a lot to be said for creating without expecting a result we live in a very transactional society these days and a lot of the things that we place value on are based on what we feel we're going to get at the end of it. But actually, I think there's so much to be said because we live in a transactional space, doing things for other reasons other than results, just because they make you feel good, just because of self-expression, um, just because it connects with somebody else. Um, there's endless amounts of reasons to do things other than results. And that is probably a, quite a big part of mm. why and how I share my creativity as well. And I think one of the lovely things as well is with the, with the journaling workshops, you're offering a way to share that, share the experience, but not you don't have to share the work that you do in that time. So you're creating quite a sort of gentle creative space 
for people who maybe might not otherwise um, dare to dare to do. Yeah, I think the thing I really have liked about the ones I've led so far has been there is that element of, okay, this is for me. Um, firstly, it's boundary space that I have uh, made a point of saying I'm going to turn this intention into action and share and turn up here and show up for myself. And there's an element of this is for me, but then, you know, you can also get involved in the chat and whatever um, and be involved in that way. And so there's an element of being seen and related to and hearing other points of view, but you've also got that bit that's just for you that you don't have to share. So it's a nice mix. One of your posts, you talked about enthusiasm burnout, which I'm very familiar with, where you kind of go you see a shiny thing that you know looks fun and you start to Mm -hmm. investigate that and then after a while you maybe decide oh it's not the thing or you hit a wall or whatever is that is that something that you've learnt to work with because I know it's very creative um tendency I suppose to enjoy the new I think it's something I'm learning to work with in in the world of work um so in my day job uh within like business administration it actually works really well because even if I'm being autonomous and being proactive and it might be something that I tail off with because there's that outer accountability of oh I've said something to a manager or a team they're expecting it and so it it sees me through I think sometimes my enthusiasm burnout on a creative on a creative side fails me because it's only me that knows about it Um, (laughs) um, and that can be tricky and also I find that I get a flurry of ideas when I'm in the midst of working on one thing and the distraction is just so annoying that you just want to flip off and focus on on these other things Um, And that can be procrastination because maybe I've come up across a a bit of a stumbling block in the thing that I'm working on. Um, It is is just really difficult to manage because I am... I'm just a creative... I'm an ideas person um, and it is quite difficult for me to see things through um, to the end that are things that I want to do if it's something somebody else has asked me to do fine I can be there um but for myself I find it very very difficult um and I think I have learned to kind of write down the ideas that come along the way but just to set them aside so I know okay I've not forgotten about you but I can come back to you um yeah and I think Maybe it comes down to thinking about your why, like why you're creating the thing and that can help to anchor you um, and carry you through that sort of potentially but potential burnout period. Um, it's something I haven't mastered. I still struggle with it all the time. Um, I think it's a mix of like showing up for myself, being scared about what I'm putting out there getting to the end and actually giving it to someone and worrying about what they might think I don't know 
it's a difficult one for me to answer but yeah sometimes I do feel like if I just have keep having ideas then I never have to do the thing but if I never do the thing then that in itself comes with its own set of cons because then I'm like oh I never yeah. finish anything <laughs> it's familiar but I guess again that accountability really comes into play doesn't it if you say I'm going to do this and uh, and other people start to get involved it it really carries you through as a sort of solo um, business or um, individual creative. So, what is your what's your what are your plans for Frank and Feel? Have you got? Is it constantly evolving? Oh, I, we've just spoken about the ideas. Yeah. You know, the ideas are always like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I have many ideas for for Frank and Feel. Um, I really want to carry on doing online workshops, um, monthly ones where people just make themselves a priority and make space for themselves. I'd love to do some collaborations within that that I've got a few ideas about. Because I love journaling as a way of expression, um, I would love to create one day, I think my ideal thing would be to create a journal um, like a guided journal that people could use. Um, I'd also love to turn some of my words into maybe like postcards or prints um, because I'm very big on, as anyone, if, if anyone were to follow me, they would see I'm big on reminders because I think that they need to be recurrent and constant because a lot of the things that we're battling, if you're speaking about self-doubt, are ingrained narratives that have become truths to us and because we've had them for such a long time you need the constant reminder of the opposite for it to kind of begin to change the narrative for yourself so I would love to have words that people had up or in between the pages of a book or as a screensaver on their phone or something that they see and it just disrupts the narrative that we've gotten used to so the reminders are they're phrases that you use for yourself to kind of encourage yourself in times of doubt or how do you come up with those are they through journaling sometimes through journaling uh, and morning pages um Sometimes they literally just flit into my head and I have to catch them and write them down on, um, like on something on my phone or speaking to the recorder before they go. I don't know where words come from. They just, they just appear. Um, and actually, I'd say a good 75, 80% of what I write are actually lessons for me, but lessons that other people feel they can connect with and learn from. Largely, I'm just mm. writing to myself. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lovely intimacy, I think, about that and gen- and a gentleness in your voice and the just the phrases I've found very quickly just sink in and um, I, I've definitely been repeating several of them to myself, not least the, though I doubt I do. Um, another one that really... Oh, less force, more ease is one of my, yeah. That's one of my favourite. I think that's becoming a bit of a North Star and a guiding light for me personally. Um, I think the pandemic has really refocused my mind on how I was living before and 
you know, what was on the periphery of my life and what was on the core and how I want to adjust certain aspects of my life going forward. Um, and I just, I just sit and think about things and, and I'm like, why were we, why was I forcing myself to do all of this stuff? Not much good to me comes from force. So yeah, I just, it's really becoming a, a life, a life mantra for me. It's ease doesn't necessarily mean easy. It doesn't, but it does just mean that underlying underneath it all, all the layers, there is a piece about whatever decision or however you're using that resource or that time. Um, and it really mm. is a guiding light for me. It's interesting that you, we spoke briefly at the beginning about how um, you'd kind of made this commitment to slow down and slow living just before we actually all got mm. kind of catapulted somewhat unexpectedly into enforced slow living for a lot of people so do you think that helped you in any way to sort of come to terms with the lockdown or do you think it highlighted things I think it probably did help me ease into the first one to be honest um I took that in my stride because I think the first one we were approaching spring anyway kind of as we are now so I was like this is great get to spend like time on the balcony journaling making like slow like slowly brewed tea of a morning and I can do yoga and go for a <laughs> yeah. walk <laughs> um and it the, those first few weeks of novelty were in a way it was nice in the middle of like crisis and madness um there were small bits of joy even to be pulled from that moment for me because it really highlighted hmm I like this I like spending time like this I like my mornings leading with this and even in the in-between bits where um, we've been back at work before we found routines with working from home and whatever um, it really just helped me to readjust and refocus how I spent my time so uh, at the, in the middle of the first lockdown or just as we were coming out um I changed jobs and I was driving uh about an hour to get to work each day and having had those that first two months of the first lockdown um and formed a kind of slow morning routine I was like I have this is something I'm keeping I don't know how because obviously I don't have all that that time but I'm going to keep it and I got up about maybe 45 minutes earlier than I would need to so I could um, have 10 minutes for a tea do a 10 minute yoga stretch and do 10 minutes of journaling and you know it's not one of those sorts of extreme morning routines where you're getting up at five in the morning because I knew that that wasn't sustainable for me but it was just enough to feel like I owned the beginning of my day and I, I owned my time and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful anchor um, and a beautiful way to kind of translate what I'd learned from that first lockdown and carry it forward. Yeah, I do think there will be things that we'll feel very much that we want to hold on to from this strange time. Mm. For sure. You mentioned um, morning pages and I know we had a little chat before about the artist way which I've got here as well which I've haven't finished but I've just made a commitment to 
um, three friends to go through it together. So I'm going to start again. But do you do do you do morning pages every day? I don't do them every day. I it, with journaling and I think with anything to do with writing, I'm mm. I'm quite the rebel. I'm an obliger in life, but I seem to be a, a rebel in my art or a rebel <laughs> in my words. So I do them. I'd say two, three times a week or when I know that I need to do them. Before I did my first public journaling workshop, I could recognise the signs within my body that I was anxious. I had anxious energy. There was loads of thoughts flitting around and things I didn't need to concentrate on, but they wouldn't, the tab in my mind wouldn't close. Yeah, familiar with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I would do morning pages then. So I was like, okay, I've got it all out. Now you can focus on what you need to do. (laughs) Um, But I do find it really, really helpful for just unearthing stuff from your subconscious that you didn't necessarily know was there. Um, And it may seem inane to some people, you know, just to write silly things like, oh, you know, things that need to go on your shopping list or literally just anything pouring out of your head. But it really does make space. I really do think there's value to it. I similarly haven't finished going through the book. Um, But I have taken that exercise and I am going to try and take artist dates as well. One day, one Mm. day I'll finish that book. But I don't know, less force, more ease. And for now, I'm taking the ease of the the practice and the practical and and going with that. Yeah, and it might be one of those things that you get to when it's the right time for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So do you have another, is there a sort of other writing practice that you do separate to morning pages? Do you, do you have a kind of conscious writing every day pattern or uh, when inspiration takes you, how do you, how do you work? I'm a bit of everything actually. Um, so I journal in the morning for myself um, and then every couple of days I'll do morning pages and weekends are kind of peak slow time for me, particularly a Sunday. So that's when I'll normally spend a morning writing and just writing whatever comes to me. Um, as I say, I always do have to kind of pull down these ideas and grasp them when they come. So I've got a lot of things on the go on my phone um, just to catch the fragments of phrases or things that could become something. Um, I'll use like Google Keep or the voice recorder on my phone just to just to catch it because I'm like, hmm, that may not be a thing now, but it's always it's something I can come back mm. to. Um, so, yeah, I'd say once a week I do just sit down and write and see what comes. But then a lot of my writing, I think, spurs from either the things I see around me so it could be a tv program I'm watching and some a line that they say that sticks out a song lyric um or just from my own journaling or um, and what I see around me really I try and keep myself open so I'm always open to be inspired and do you write in different formats like do you do fiction or have aspirations to write a novel or anything like that or is are you just enjoying the process people always say that I should write a book and I'm not really sure what type of book they mean when they (laughs) say that um 
I don't know if I've I've got it in me to write a novel. I'm I don't know. It seems to I think it feels too structured and I would have to like, you know, build character arcs and things like this and I I know that I kind of work in like spits and starts and it's just like these little vignettes almost that come to me. Mm. Um, and I think I'm better like that. Potential, maybe they could go into some sort of like. I wouldn't call it poetry, but like I'm not just like small little excerpts, um, and and readings and tiny essays. Maybe mm. something like that. I could I could see myself making up. I don't know. I'm open to I'm open to it all. If I feel like I've like something comes to me then I'll go with it Mm. Mm -hmm. and so you've always written but you said somewhere on Instagram that it's only the last year that you've actually called yourself a writer can you talk a little bit about that I think it's because because I I grew up um as the second generation of family from the Caribbean, so Jamaica and Guyana. And in Caribbean families, like, scholastics and education are key. They're the top of the top. So I thought that anything I wanted to label myself in life needed to come with a qualification. Um, And I was like, experience doesn't qualify me. Or just having this talent, just having words fit into my head just does not qualify me as a writer. I'm having this interesting discussion with myself at the moment, actually, where I'm thinking about how there are things that we say we do. So we might, I might say I write, but saying I am a writer is a completely different level and something I think a lot of us shy away from. Um, yeah, um, so it's only in the last year or so that I've started calling myself a writer and I think there's there's two things that happen there the more you do it writers write okay so the more you call yourself a writer you're like okay well what is the action what is the life of a writer it's someone who writes so you write more and it's kind of cyclical it's great um but also you then open yourself up to taking yourself more seriously um and I think almost on a self-protective kind of level, I didn't want to commit to calling myself that because then that is what I'm known as and that is what I must be good at. And maybe then that kind of would feed into my recovering perfectionist tendencies and I never want to put pressure on it because I'm almost like, I don't want to chase it away. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. And But how has it changed life for you having made that declaration as it were oh massively it really has I think it's true that when you put things into the public you never know really who is watching like I think I know my audience but I know I know of the people who I have regular DM chats with that I absolutely love um the people who will like reply to my letter emails um but you never really know who is watching and it's been so interesting to me to see the opportunities that have come by me just remaining open to this curiosity 
So I've done some really interesting creative writing projects for other people, some copywriting stuff. I've just taken on a freelance writing role um, within a membership um, it called The Assembly. Um, and these things just would not have happened if I hadn't first followed my curiosity. And as a planner who previously would always like to be at a minimum 97% ready before doing anything, that's not something I could have predicted. So there was a lesson in itself even in that. Was there a particular moment or catalyst where you thought, right, I'm, I'm going to do it? Because it is, uh, and I know I've read something as well that you wrote about being brave. So whether it is brave or just very honest to say, okay, this is what I am. But what was there a particular moment where you thought, I am a writer, I'm going to, I'm going to say it? Um, I think the moment of, of starting before I was ready and just starting with almost that first Instagram post was kind of a stake in the sand and it was, I don't know if it was a moment of confidence or bravery or actually sheer exhaustion of going round and round in circles and never doing the thing or even trying the thing. I actually think there have been times when more than being motivated or inspired, I've just, like I say, exhausted myself with overthinking and going round and round in circles to the point where I'm just like, oh, okay, just just to stop it, <laughs> we're just gonna start something, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so, um, and what ha- what do you think? What's the response been like, Sasha? What have people? How have people? come back to you about the workshops for example or you know as I said your posts really speak to me and I'm sure they do with so many other people what what's it like having that reaction it's blown me away a little bit actually um like I say I love a dm chat and sometimes someone will just say oh I just really felt compelled to just let you know this is this and how your words have affected me and I'm like really is it because <laughs> I, I don't know I'm just here on I guess especially because it's in, in a digital space I'm just here like right in my little words and in my little in my little bubble and then I just put them out and go away and like kind of don't think about them um but it's really heartening and I'm learning that you know bravery begets bravery and that also has an impact on other people which is half of my goal to be honest I want to be an example and um, let other people know that if I can try something so can you Um, so yeah it's I think it's it's motivating and it helps me with that whole though I doubt I do thing because it's not a thing of praise but just to know that I'm connecting and that kind of that small instinct that I had within me, that there was something to it, it kind of ushers me on to kind of think, okay, all right, and now I think it's safe for me to try the next thing. And at the end of the day, that's growth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that connection can be the catalyst for someone else, as you say, you know, you might, you're offering an opportunity to, to 
help someone else take that first step. Yeah. And that's all comes from sharing our stories, sharing our crafts, creating our things. Um, it's not to add a pressure, but it's not just for ourselves. It's for all the other people who can kind of take and then go on their own journeys from what you do or what you see somebody else do. I see that as a privilege mm. rather than a pressure. Yeah. Mm. Which I guess leads me on to ask, what what would you say to someone who who kind of knows they've got something they want to do but they've never quite taken the plunge? Like how how would you kind of gently encourage them to take their first steps um I would say one of my main tacts is to treat new things as an experiment um and it releases the pressure of expectation and just allows you to kind of just go with it because you're not necessarily really expecting anything from it um I'd say don't something my nan always used to say which is don't despise small beginnings because the small beginnings when you've only got 13 Instagram followers and like two people signed up for your email or whatever like that's where you get that's your testing ground and that's where you get to form your voice and find your rhythm and find your flow so that when you do get, instead of wishing away and wishing, oh, I had wish I had the bigger numbers and I wish I had a book deal and I wish I had that, you'll know what to say to your audience by the time you get to that point. I, I can just imagine that, I don't know, if one of my earlier, like really, really early posts had gone viral when I went from like five to 500 followers, I'd just be stood there like a frozen... <laughs> like like a deer caught in headlights going like oh my gosh what what do I say to all of these people why are you all here ah <laughs> yeah. yeah so gradual <laughs> sort of gradual growth is a good thing isn't it sometimes baby steps man yeah. baby steps <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's something I was um reading as well about um Glennon Doyle saying your broken bits are your superpowers so have you have you that. read Untamed? Uh, three times. Have you? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. There's and gold I pull in there, something new out of it every time. That book, I feel like I was just meant to read that at that particular point because it came out not long into I think the first I think the first lockdown. I'm not quite sure. Um, and you know when you just feel like. This book was made for me for this time. Um, yeah, I really do believe that our, the bits that we berate and we don't like and we spend so much time wishing didn't exist, there's an awful lot of power in them. There's an awful lot of power in those things. And I believe in being able to turn things that are supposed negatives into positives or at least into something you can do something with actually um I quite like flipping lenses um so yeah I've you know turned writing about self-doubt into something that feels very special to me um, mm. and I think that's available to everyone yeah and I think there's something about 
we said before, if it can be quite therapeutic to put something out about struggles that you've had or difficulties because you know mm-hmm. that someone will, someone else will have experienced the same things and it could just land at just the right moment for them yeah exactly this exactly that like i i often think sometimes you know if 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 you ever doubt your thing or the thing you want to put out there think about the others who have come before you who have done exactly the same thing the authors the actors, the ceramicists, I don't know, and how having their product, their thing in your hands made you feel. You could make somebody else feel like that, you know? And Because if, if they didn't ever put that out, then you would have no no lights or no stars kind of to guide your path. So, mm. and, you know, just because it, we feel like, oh, oh but that's them and they're massive and they're huge at one point you know Glennon Doyle was writing you know I don't know pieces for that only three people read at one point in life you know (laughs) Mm. and her writing's so powerful because it comes from such um such a vulnerable place as well isn't it you know there's so much that she's experienced that has been Mm. painful that actually shared allows other people to to heal I guess yeah and there's I think there's a lot of there is a lot of healing that comes in just being in feeling like you're seen and understood maybe Mm. is there anything about creativity that you would like to add that you feel is essential I mean for one one thing that I was just thinking about is I don't know why for me sometimes I feel like it's maybe frivolous or I should be doing something else there's a big should isn't there sometimes like am I allowed am I actually allowed to do this thing that is really that I love (laughs) yes if there were one word and I love words but if there were one word that I could erase from the dictionary it would be should should ruins lives it really does (laughs) um and I think you know I've often read in a few places before that not everything needs to be life changing sometimes it can just be something you enjoy but actually in doing the things you enjoy and then putting them out there for other people to enjoy those can actually be life-changing experiences um and it's not for the creator to kind of define the meaning for other people it's only for us to create. <laughs> um, and like I say, like I said before, when speaking about doing things for the result, if you just do something because it makes you feel good um, or makes you feel understood in the world, then that's enough. That That is enough. And I do come across, you know, those thoughts sometimes where I'm like, oh, what's the point of this? And it's funny because I think that whenever I have those thoughts, that's when I'll always come across that DM, a DM of someone saying, oh my gosh, I really love this. Oh, I needed to hear this. I don't know. I think that anyone who regards themselves as creative or having some kind of creative output, and I think that's an awful lot more people than maybe would identify that you should just do it you really should just just do it because 
why not? <laughs> really? Why not? And I know that that sounds easy for me to say. And I kind of even struggle with that because I say that a year and some change into into writing, but know that a year and some change ago, I was you. What, watching other people really enjoying what they wrote but thinking no that could never be me because why would anyone want to listen to what I have to say why would anyone resonate with what I have to say um we've all been there yeah just do it that's yeah that's the really annoying but really really true thing yeah it really is <laughs> and it doesn't matter another thing I was going to um mm. share with you actually I I saw, I saw I don't know if you've seen this I book, I haven't that. read it yet. No, Late but I bloomers. love the title. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. About It's about um, finding your way later in life. Mm. Not that either of us are later in life, of course. Mm. But, <laughs> but it sounds really interesting, you know, that we can, we can be sort of driven to, or we feel that this sort of youthful success is everything, but actually things take time. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I think everyone probably thinks of their age and thinks, oh, I'm behind the curve. You're never actually behind the curve. I'm not even sure if the curve exists, to be fair. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we've just been convinced <laughs> that it does. Um, but yeah, sometimes I think, oh, who am I, this 35-year-old woman to be like writing these things and I look at somebody else and I'm like oh they've got 10 years on me and they seem to have it all figured out but I'm just now I'm just grateful for the journey I'm just grateful for, for figuring it out and for giving this a go and for trying things I don't care about when it comes I'm just glad that it found me um mm. yeah but yeah you know and actually do you know what I kind of think things that think that things happen in their own time and at the right time because like I say I wrote my first story first short story when I was about seven or eight years old but and and I went to uni um I went to university and did a postgrad in magazine journalism I have been trying to find writing or writing has been trying to find me for a very long time but I don't think that I could write how I write without the experiences that I've had. So I had mm. to have the experiences to come to this place to be able to do what I'm doing now. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm grateful for the road that's led me to here as mm. well as the road that I'm now on. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anything is wasted in a creative Absolutely route is it not even Nothing's not even wasted. my my spreadsheet stuff that I picked up when I was 21 and working in distribution in a fashion company like I love a spreadsheet and spreadsheets yeah. <laughs> even helped me in my creativity so I'm grateful for yeah. it nothing's wasted <laughs> no oh Sasha it's been so lovely to talk to you um do you want to just sort of tell the listeners um where where to find you online and on Instagram yeah so um you can find me at frank and feel um on Instagram that's where my main hangout is um I've also now got a website it's basic but it's there um that's the other final lesson I think I would, would leave with people is 
sometimes done is better than perfect. So my website functions, it's basic, but it does what I need it to do for now. So that's frankenfield.com where you can find out more about journaling workshops and other stuff that uh, that comes as it comes. And that's where you can find me. Lovely. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm really hoping, although we might continue with some of the online um, meetups, I hope that we can actually meet in person at some point. Soon. I have got like an entire store cupboard full of hugs for people when we can honestly man I'm gonna be all hugged out but I don't care yeah (laughs) that's the kind of depletion I'm okay with yep (laughs) oh thank you Sasha thank you very much thank you for listening to Creative Twist I hope you've enjoyed it show notes and resources can be found on my website sallyvandpump.com slash creative twist podcast I'd love to connect on social media at Sally Vanderpump and hear what inspires you to get or stay creative. Thanks to Rosie Kernahan for the podcast photo, to Vicky Arledge for composing the music, to Jen at Studio 2711 for the artwork and to Tina Cooney for her branding.